I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself, or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. Accepted the, the podcast. podcast, and I'm not Theo, and I am Juliet, and you are all under my subject and rule. There's two of me. There are, yes. I'm the better <laughs> version. Now, imagine I, the things we could do <laughs> together. The the power we would yield. That's uh, right. Of course, I am not Juliet, nor could I ever deign to be. <laughs> so, speaking of deigning, what's shaking deigning? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give you much to work with there, so congratulations to I you tried. for making that play. That, yay. Um, work, 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 work. I would, uh, so it was Saturday yesterday, and I did my favorite yay. thing, which is go to the outlet and walk yay. around and look at stuff. And I love think, when you go to the outlet. Me too. It's so great. And it's, I'm really just there to look. And if I find something I want, and hey, bargain. And so I was looking at these spatulas, which I already have, trying to decide Ooh. if I needed another one so that I could have two. Right? Of course. And it's a $4 spatula, but it was a 10-minute debate with myself. <laughs> Whereas if you saw a $100 pillow, that'd be like, sure, no problem. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Backup <laughs> pillows for days. And so this guy, um, I, it was at, I was standing over a table, so mm-hmm. average normal height table height thing, right? Looking at these spatulas that were laid out. And this guy leaned over the table on the opposite side and was staring at me. And I had sort of seen him approach the table and mm-hmm. but I'm in my head I've got my airpods in I'm busy right mm-hmm. and so I was like this guy is really dominating this table I <laughs> better just like go find I don't need the spatula I'll just go somewhere else right obviously I thought I'm being weird and this guy is <laughs> over here like what dead bug are you staring at or <laughs> you know what's going on on this table that I need to see so I um, got up to, well, I didn't get up. I picked my head up to move. It was somebody from work. Uh. It was someone from work. And it took me a good 10 seconds to place him, even though I see him yeah. a lot. Right? Oh, I, I, I can relate. Yeah. So out of context. Hi, how are you? Exactly. <laughs> well, I actually really like him. Um, good to see you. And, and so that bit was cool. The bit that wasn't cool was it's been a really stressful week and I was semi working on Saturday and this Uh was my two hours alone time. Yeah. And so I ran into somebody from work (laughs) and the whole time that we were there, I kept saying things like, yep, well, which doesn't fit into a casual conversation at all. And it was just (laughs) the stress of work and ah, work. And then here's a work person work. Ah. So, yeah, so um, all of that. And then um, I'm going to say that what that's pretty much it. I learned a new word last night, What's which that? is replenish. Um, you didn't know replenish? I, well, 
replenish is a word I know. I just know it as replenty-ish or replenish. Oh, okay. As in plenty. And now, now that I've been corrected, Right, rather forcefully last night by a certain um, husband named James. Yeah. Right. When I said, "Oh, well, you could just replenish it," and he was said, "I can what?" And I was like, <laughs> "You you could replenish it," and he was like, "I that's not a word." And I was like, "What do you mean it's not a word?" Because I'm always smarter than he is, and so right, when of it's script is flipped, I don't know right. what to do. And right. So that he was like you know, whatever, it's replenish, there's no tea. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, of course, of course you're right. So the pronunciation, right? Yes, or, got as it. another friend of mine would say, the pronunciation. <laughs> it will argue with you on the pronunciation of pronunciation. Oh, um, no. Oh, yes, because, yes, because weirdly I had that conversation with her over the phone prior to James correcting my pronunciation. Pronunciation. Yes. And so all I just want to tell everybody that I know other than fuck off is um, we keep forgetting that English is not my first language. And (laughs) I am real sorry that I mispronounced that word. Right. It's funny. Yeah, it's true. My first language is beauty. My second language is English. (laughs) Well, congratulations. We've all learned a little something today. Even if it's only that your first language is beauty. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And what about you with Shake and Bacon? Is your week better well, than mine? Of all the minutiae in my life, um, the most one of the most exciting is that I got a new throw blanket from Pottery Barn, um, and I have been looking forward to getting this blanket in the mail. It's one of those things that took a while to ship, and um, it is one of those giant knitted ones with the big knit stitches, and it looks real soft and comfy and cushiony and and warm. And when I got it, the first thing I noticed was that it was kind of linty. And now the um, entire apartment is covered up to three foot deep in lint. So this throw blanket is a little bit excessive in the amount of lint it gives off. Um, I'm going to have to get rid of it. And I can't I can't just justify giving it away to someone or donating it because who is going to want uh, a linty blanket? So I, I totally understand that dilemma. Have you Googled what to do with a linty blanket or a shedding blanket or whatever? Um, oh, I can't, I know I can't wash it. It's dry clean only. So that possibility is out. I have not Googled what to do. They'll probably say shave it or something, but who's going to spend an hour shaving a blanket with, with the lint shaver? I mean, that's a lot of work. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do right? that. Um, so. I don't know what you do. I have a rug that does that and it did yeah. it for like five years. Oh my uh, God. It's a beautiful rug. It's not even a rug. It's a Moroccan blanket, but it looks like it should oh, be a beautiful. rug. Yeah. Yep. And and it just is shed and shed. At a certain point, it will your It'll stop. Your throw will stop shedding. But that could be five years from now. I don't know that I can live with this for five years, but we'll see. I mean, it's not like anybody comes over to the house anyway. So no, who's going to notice? Just us, just be waiting around and, and throw a blanket land for the rest of our lives. But that's fine. Um, the other thing that I did this week was I finally went to see the lavender fields. And uh, we drove up, it took about an hour and a half to drive up to Sebastopol, um, which is up near Sonoma, and um, up to the Lavender Farm, and just hang out. You get to walk around the Lavender Farm, and they've got little platforms where the Instagrammers can stand, because you're not allowed to walk between the rows of the lavender. You have to walk on these sort of tracks around the lavender 
fields because it's obviously a working farm and they don't want you getting fucking up their lavender but they put in these little platforms that make it look like you're in the middle of the lavender field so all these instagrammers were there and tiktokers or whoever taking pictures of themselves in the lavender field so that was kind of funny and the good part the other good part of that other than seeing it was just beautiful the lavender fields were beautiful it was there in the in that sonoma sort of hilly area so it was just gorgeous and it was really nice the weather was beautiful it was like 85 degrees but it didn't feel warm it just felt sort of normal so that was great. Um, but the great thing about it was that we tried leaving Sophie alone at home uh-huh. while we were gone. So it was like four or five hours that she was left alone. And we left out a recorder to see if she howled or made any noise. And she did not howl. She did not make any noise. She just apparently um, just snuggled up in her dog bed and slept. And probably um, facilitated by the drugs that I gave her before I left. But... She did a great job. Uh, she didn't freak out at all. And I'm really happy because that means that occasionally we can leave her alone now without having to spend $80 or whatever to take her to the, the dog camp for the day, which is actually $130 for the day because they need to, like, they, they can't, so they don't want to socialize her with the other dogs because she's bitey and all that sort of thing. They have to entertain her by hand. So it costs more to do that. So it costs more to keep her there overnight or, or for the day. But, but so, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, but we can, if we can leave her home alone for three or four hours and that solves a lot of problems. Like we could go out to dinner and, you know, just a regular dinner, not a fancy dinner because that usually takes longer. Uh, uh, (laughs) So you have enough time to go to McDonald's and get, yeah, yeah, but, but not, you know, not a sizzler. Um, (laughs) All right. So I have a cure, not a cure. I have an answer for you. Okay. And it's a commercial. Ready? No, okay. everybody, it's not a commercial because we don't do that. But it will okay. sound like a commercial because it's awesome. It's called the Furby, F-U-R-B-Y. I've seen those. It skates a little too close to Fur Baby, so don't love the brand name. But uh, we have one. My sister gave me hers after her dog passed away. I shouldn't laugh, but oh. um, I know. That's sad. Why am I laughing? <laughs> um. After they mysteriously passed away, once I found out I was going to get that Furby when they were gone, they didn't last a week. And I got the Furby. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's a stupid joke. I was trying to make it seem like I had killed the dogs, but it didn't play. Yeah. But you, okay. Anyway, back to the Furby. I thought a Furby was one of those things like a gremlin. Isn't that a Furby? Oh, fuck. It is. What is that thing called? (laughs) It's called a, it's, it's, all right. Furminator. Yes, thank you. That's exactly probably it. Um, long story short, it's a tall, sort of a cone-looking piece, kind of like a, a modem. Okay. Set on tabletop, plug it in. It's got a camera in it. It's activated by noise, so if your dog barks, it will send you an alarm to your phone. Oh. You log into the... Furby, and then you talk, and your voice is broadcast throughout the room. I was wondering if they had those. shoot treats. What a good idea. Thank you. What a good idea. <laughs> Thank you for inventing that product. You're very welcome. I'm going to um, look that up and see how much are they. Uh, like 169 bucks. That's not bad. Yeah. No, it's not bad. And they Does it work. have a camera? You said it had a it, camera? It has a camera, so you can log in at any point to check and see what's going on. Right? Awesome. Um. Again, if, and it's not noise activation as much as it is barking activation. 
So okay. it's looking for a particular sound pattern, and when it hears that pattern, you get a signal, right? So okay. if a car drives by, you probably won't get notified. Right, right. Um, works great, and I've used it with Henry, um, and it shoots treats pretty far. So that's great because <laughs> you can distract the dog, and, yeah. and boom. Yeah. Awesome. I'll check that out. Yeah, big fan. Thank you for the information. And the only other thing that I, I have to tell the whole world, um, because I'm that way, is that I'm having a colonoscopy this week. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered what was up. You, it's not that you didn't seem fun or nice and all that, but you definitely seemed preoccupied. And I just yeah. put it down to like work and whatever. Um, so, so I'm in the early stages where I'm only allowed to eat things that are like white and bland and whatever for like four or five days and and then i go into the hardcore take your take your laxatives and they the the note i got from the doctor is put a tv in your bathroom because you're going to be in there for a while (laughs) he said like all right fine um i'll see if i can fit a tv in my bathroom but um so yeah so that's exciting i mean it gives me something to focus on or something to fixate on yes it is it's very exciting (laughs) so i'm buying all my all my preparation items that I need, like extra Gatorade and other things I won't mention and kind of looking forward to it. Kind of not. Um, I, I, it's something, it's nice to have something different to do, but I wish it was like going to an amusement park or something instead. Or roller skating or anything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that's why I'll be doing that on Thursday. So if you're uh, around on Thursday, hopefully everyone will be around on Thursday. Um, <laughs> Where are we all going? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And send me positive thoughts from my colonoscopy on Thursday. I'm sending them to it. you now. Um, and, and apropos of absolutely none of the above, today we're going to talk about um, a dude and a snake. Uh, yes, we are. We're going to talk about a pet owner and... Um... A lesson in responsibility. Yes. A lesson or two even in responsibility. A lesson or 40, because that's how many misdemeanor charges he was hit with. Or 75, because that's how many snakes he had. (laughs) (laughs) Or 13,000, because that's how many dollars he had to pay to the city to reimburse the police for their work in finding the snake. Right. And that's the only number, that's the last number I know in association with this story. So in June 2021, a venomous zebra cobra escaped its cage in North Raleigh, North Carolina. Chris Gifford, who was 21 at the time and a TikTok famous snake handler with half a million followers, had purchased two African zebra cobras in November 2020 to add to his snake collection. He put them in temp temporary separate enclosures to prevent them from spreading any diseases to his other snakes. But when he returned the next day, one was missing, a realization Gifford describes as this giant oh crap moment. Turned out one container hadn't been latched closed properly, which you'd think you would be careful to do if you were putting new snakes into containers. Oh, in your how about home. a venomous snake? A, v- a venomous snake. Yes, absolutely. Um, the snake had disappeared. So apparently the story that I read was that um, when this Chris Gifford guy um, started wanting to collect snakes, now he lived with his parents at the time, and his parents said, all right, if you're going to collect venomous snakes, we're going to make sure that the basement of the house where you're going to keep these snakes is completely snake prepped. So they went through the house and made sure that any little holes were, were taped up and papered over and covered up somehow and that there weren't any ways for a snake to get out of the basement. 
However, um, they took apart, once the snake escaped, they took apart the basement again, looking for holes, and they found a small hole that had, had been used to hold an Ethernet cable and led into the rest of the house. So somehow or other, this made Chris Gifford think that everything was going to be fine um, because the either A, first he thought the snake wasn't going to get out of the house, and B, he thought, it's well, it's January, and it's below freezing at night, and this is a African snake, so the snake's just going to die anyway. So we don't need to report this cobra to the proper authorities, uh, as was the law, uh, because the snake's just going to pass away on its own, and no one needs to worry. They're pretty little heads about the snake. Which there is a logic to that, right? Now, I've been a uh-huh. panicked 21 year old. And oh, yeah. you can wish anything away by just using logic. Oh, yeah. And tweaking logic to become the thing you need it to be, right? Right. And so I get it. Um, but he lives at home with his parents who are not 21. I really 21. wonder about them. Yeah. Um, I wonder about anybody that's comfortable with a venomous steak that might just be crawling around through the walls. Maybe it'll freeze. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I, no way, man. No way. Um, so so they decided not to report the lost snake in, in uh, around November, uh, which is when it was lost. But in June, five months later, animal control showed up to search his home, and they showed Gifford pictures of the zebra cobra, which had been found sunning itself on somebody's porch and had... Not surprisingly, doubled in size. So, uh, after a three-day hunt, the animal was again located and captured, because after it had sunned itself on the porch, it apparently uh, fucked off to somewhere else. So they had to look for it for three days. Uh, They did find it. And Gifford initially lied to the police, saying he had no idea who could possibly own that zebra cobra. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, it could have been someone else's zebra cobra could have been anyone's it could have it, i mean that is a possibility that exists in the world i mean i'm the guy that owns all the snakes and you know that i'm the guy that owns all the and snakes i lost one but and, and i lost one but you didn't know that i can't still, say that snake is mine yeah that could be any zebra snake <laughs> but later it's on not after a lie. They, <laughs> after they left his house um he called animal control to admit that it was his so he did do the right thing in the in the short long run ended up he was charged with 40 misdemeanor charges and as part of a plea deal he was ordered to turn over $35,000 worth of snakes which is about 75 snakes to the county and pay over $13,000 in restitution for among other things the police and EMS response to capture the loose snake the sea snakes that they stole took from him will be used for cancer research Uh, maybe not, um, will be used for cancer research and anti-venom development. And Gifford also promised not to own any other snakes for a year. Good. Which, so yeah. So all that ends well, you'd think. But interestingly, several months before the cobra escaped, in March 2021, Mr. Gifford had been bitten by a seven-foot-long deadly green mamba. Green mamba venom has been known to kill people within an hour. Um, so what happened here, he was cleaning his cages out, and um, he sort of noticed that this particular deadly green mamba was in a bad mood, but he didn't pay attention to it, and he grabbed the snake. Um, the snake turned around and bit him uh, while he was taking it out of his enclosure, um, and he admits that there were necessary steps he didn't take to prepare for a bite, um, which... Really, what you're supposed to do when you own a venomous reptile like this, you're supposed to tell the medical team and toxicologist near you so that antivenin and other treatments can be made available in case of a bite. 
So because he hadn't done this, antivenin had to be located and flown in from a zoo in South Carolina. So fortunately, Gifford survived despite the wait of six hours for the antivenin to arrive. Oh my. So he was completely irresponsible, not letting people know, not letting the hospitals know that he had these poisonous snakes and that he needed antivenin. And um, yeah, and for, he's, he's very lucky to be alive. Uh, I don't even know what to say to all of that. I totally get that, like, when you're in your 20s or whatever, you're completely invulnerable. You're going to live forever. Nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. You know exactly what you're doing. You have everything under yeah. control, right? Your brain's not fully developed yet. Yeah, exactly. Clearly. Um, clearly. Clearly. Judging <laughs> McJudgerstein and his sister. <laughs> um but, you know, at the same time, his parents are right. there. Right. And maybe you want your child protected, it, but whatever. I mean, you know, he's, he was 21 at the time. 20 at the time. Um, his parents did make him sell the Green Mamba after it had bitten him. I mean, you know, sort of the horses left the barn at that point. But um, I suppose it could have bitten him again. So, but, but if, if I were his parents, I think once my son were bitten by a, a, a venomous snake, I would have the I'd snakes be over. all removed from the house. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the, and the snakes. If you're in my house, no snakes, you know, go kill yourself in your own apartment. Right. At the very least. Yes. No. The awful. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Thank goodness he lived long enough to let a venomous snake escape from his house. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Raleigh has is, is been enriched by this experience, I'm sure. So Gifford's court-imposed ban on owning venomous snakes expired in August of last year. And at the time, he said that he did plan to get back into the snake ownership business at some point, but not at his parents' house. So I guess his parents finally did put their feet down and say, no, no more snakes. Um, and additionally, as a result of the community-wide panic that was started by Gifford and his zebra cobra, the city of Raleigh this month instituted a new dangerous animal ordinance aimed at stopping ownership of animals like Gifford's. The Raleigh City Council voted 6-2 to two in favor of banning dangerous and wild animals inside city limits. The ordinance will ban residents of the city from owning lions, tigers, wolves, monkeys, hybrids or crossbreeds, and medically significant venomous snakes. All of which are perfectly were perfectly legal to own up until then. It was it, uh, North Carolina was like one of six states that allowed wild animals to be owned, which I never realized. But I mean, I guess I didn't hang out with people who had snakes and other creatures. Never thought about it. Yeah, sort of same. Like I had friends who maybe they had a snake in an aquarium, right. but they or weren't really friends. They were typically friends of friends. Right. Exactly. I didn't have any friends that were like, "Can be my iguana." I don't no, want them. Those reptiles are smelly. It's just mm. and boring and boring. That's so why it. would you own a snake? They don't do anything. Why would you take a wild animal and put it in a two by two box and leave it there for the rest of its life? That's horrible. I think. Well, That's cruel. Let me find a way to make that nice. Um, <laughs> okay. So one, they're safe. No other animals going to eat them Two, They never have to worry about food. It'll just be brought to them. Um, I'm working here. I'm trying. Um, I mean, I live in my two by two box and I don't find it all that exciting. <laughs> I would rather get out once in a while and go see a lavender farm or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what this little King Cobra tried to do. Yeah. Yeah. He took a tour of Raleigh. So I wondered what kind of person owns snakes. Um, I wondered like what personality 
style or type do you have? And uh, I didn't find too much about it. Well, I found a lot of things like, you know, quizsite.com or whatever, you know, take take this quiz. What kind of person owns snakes? But, I, but the only reasonable thing I found was a Scientific American article, which um, said, if you have a snake and you are male, you are much less agreeable than owners of other pets. You're also more likely to describe yourself as relaxed, but unpredictable. I'm like, what? How can you be agreeable yet relaxed and relaxed but unpredictable? It kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. So maybe snake owners are contradictory. Uh, snake owners were the most likely of all pet owners to describe themselves as neat and tidy and surprisingly to consider their pet part of a family. I would assume that's non-venomous snakes, but maybe not. Maybe they think they're venomous snake that could kill it, that they keep in a two foot by two foot box for all of its life and can't get out is part of its family, like the ant in the attic. Yeah, why is it an, an ant in an attic? I know Isn't you mean a human attic? aunt. Yeah, an aunt in an attic. The the old lady in the attic that is a member of your family. Uh, and people with unusual pets were more likely to have multiple pets. So they're crazy pet hoarders. <laughs> uh, yeah, yep. That definitely rings true. You never have just one snake. Now we'll right. hear from everybody who has just one snake. I just have one snake. Yeah, if you have any snakes, write in. Tell us about your personality and how many snakes you have. Oh, yeah. I'm curious. You're going to come run into that email right now. That's right. Let me confess my personality flaws. Whatever our email is, it's on our website, which is apologiesaccepted.net. I think our, this is so sad. I think, I think our email is Theo at apologiesaccepted.net. That sounds right. Yeah, it is right. <laughs> you think we know. <laughs> we also have an Instagram. You can go and talk to us there. So that's cool. Uh, all right, so that's what I've got. Have you got anything for us on this topic for us, Theo? I do. I did not wonder hey. about the personality of snake owners. Snake owners. Because I sort of know what those guys are mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Sort of. And they're fine. They're nice. Whatever. Um, mm-hmm. All right, let's see. So um, so I wondered about, like, the King Cobra because, sure, I get venomous and all that. But what what else about the snake? Right. Yeah. So, um, so with the king cobra, it is the world's longest venomous snake, with an average length of ten. Are you looking at king cobra or zebra cobra? Oh my god! His was a zebra cobra. You know what? King cobra. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's forget about the king cobra then, because I did not look at the zebra cobra. <laughs> The article. And King cobras are awesome. We had one in our in our um, dining room when I was in Malaysia one time. What? Oh, okay. So not as a pet. It came in. No, not as a pet. It came inside the house. Oh, I was like all ready to do some finger pointing there. No, 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 no. What did they? I mean, I'm going to guess that people got big sticks and pushed it out the door. I don't know. They told my parents told me to get out of the get out of the dining room, and I, being like three years old, only heard that I think the gardener came in and got it. And he probably picked it up with his bare hands and you know walked walked it out and put it somewhere. But wow, those yeah. things are really deadly, and they spit their venom. So he was obviously he knew oh, how to wow. handle a snake. I didn't know that. Well, had I been able to finish my. He would have learned that they can grow to 10 to 13 feet, but this is not a king cobra. Um, So then I wondered, okay, well, what about the history of pets? Like, no point in getting into the whole development of dogs and all that. 
mm-hmm. because nobody really knows, right? Um, but here's what we sort of know about pets and why do humans, ha- not even why, the history of pets with humans, right? Um, pets have been harnessed um, by humans for possibly tens of thousands of years. Currently, Americans own around 78 million dogs, 85 million cats, 14 million birds, 12 million small mammals, and 9 million reptiles. The archaeological and genetic record um, is being analyzed for evidence of when and how human-animal bond developed, as this potentially offers insight to the evolution of human society. People who have pets typically have free time and wealth. Pets are animals that are kept for pleasure, and they have been tamed and domesticated. A domestic animal has also been tamed and is kept by humans as a food source or for work, sometimes for pleasure. Because, you know, some people Uh who have chickens or whatever are like, that's Lucy Bell. She's a cute chicken. (laughs) Um, We know that dogs, without a doubt, were the first domesticated animal. Um, It's unclear, though, if dogs were first pets or some sort of a symbiotic relationship because dogs are essentially scavengers that would Mm -hmm. follow human packs around as the humans went hunting and then the dogs would feast on the bones, what have you. Um, The story of domestication and pets is not a linear progression from wild to domestic. It's more about how animals have taken on different roles in human society over the centuries. Humans have likely kept baby animals for amusement for as long as humans have been human, says Larson, uh, who's one of the lead scientists who's conducting this research. But usually, as those babies matured and became less cute and perhaps more unruly, they tended to be thrown back into the wild or maybe even eaten. Kind of makes sense. Um, One study published by the University of Maine in 2011 found evidence that dogs were being bred and eaten on occasion by humans living in Texas about 10,000 years ago. The giveaway was a small dog bone found in ancient human fecal matter. So probably a strong indication that the animal was eaten by a human. Yeah. Um, The bone fragment provided the oldest known record of dogs in the New World. There's evidence that dogs have been domesticated twice, once in Europe about 16,000 years ago, and then in Asia some 14,000 years ago. Uh, from two separate wolf lineages. But they may have been domesticated even earlier, as scientists published data showing um, a 32,000-year-old canine skull in Belgium was possibly the first dog. Dogs and cats um, were buried with humans some 12,000 years ago, but it's not clear why. Dogs also had special burials, sometimes with high-value items in their graves, at least 8,000 years ago. But again, the reason for the special treatment is unknown. Um, our current concept of what is a pet versus mm-hmm. what is a domestic animal, a farm animal, work animal, right? Um, it's pets are relatively recent invention. So that's not to say that domestication is recent or that people living with animals is recent, but our concept of what is a pet is recent. It goes back to about the 18th, 19th century. Um, they've theorized dogs have been domesticated for around 30,000 years, but pets are a very special category. The pet is the one essentially inedible animal and an ultimate indulgence in the long history of using animals for food and or work. So a pet is an animal that's opted out of the, the pet hasn't opted out of the food chain because (laughs) uh, everybody would be opting out of the food chain. Um, Let's see. 
Oxford English Dictionary's first reference for pet comes from 1539. Uh, Pet in 1539 meant a baby lamb raised by hand. Oh. How cute, right? And then yeah. probably definitely eaten later. Um, yeah. All right, let's see. And then, because there wasn't a lot there. I mean, there's a lot there for the history of pets, but at the same time, it's like, there's not a lot there. We can all figure it out, right? Dog, mm -hmm. cats, here we go. Hmm. Um, so then how about some, uh, I'll call them famous attacks by exotic animals. Ooh. I don't know how. One of them is real famous. You'll be like, okay. oh, yeah, that one. Okay. And we'll start with that one. 2018. Oh, no. Oh, we're not starting with that one. <laughs> we're going to start with this one, um, which is uh, 2018. And the lead in the news site online, right? The lead was a seven-foot-long boa constrictor has been found. The snake named Abaddon was found near the outside deck of her grandparents' house where the snake went missing. I immediately mm. want to know if they mean these are the snake's grandparents. <laughs> or they're talking about... This is, the, this is the lead, right? Right. Who's the her? It can only be the snake so far, right? right. We don't know of any other her. There's yeah. no other her. She's my pet, and she means the world to me, says Wolf Macy, the snake's owner. Now... Who would imagine that a girl named Wolf would own a snake? Uh, an exotic animal. Right. Yeah. Um, the pet snake named Abandon, not Abandon, sorry, Abaddon is seven foot long and weighs 28 pounds. She yeah. went missing from her home in Burlington, North Carolina. Uh, she was non-venomous. Macy says that she mistakenly left the enclosure unlocked. There we have another yeah, snake escaping. Yep. Animal Services says that it's likely that the snake is near Macy's home. Macy has talked to her neighbors and wants people to be on the lookout, but not be afraid. Don't be afraid Yikes. of a seven-foot snake when you see it. Yikes. Right? I've had plenty of people say things like she would make a nice pair of boots, and it's so upsetting to me because imagine losing your dog and somebody just because they're afraid of it saying it should be euthanized. Yeah. Happens. Uh, Macy has had a lot of positive feedback, though. She says several people, including animal services, have come out to help her look for Baden. If you see her, don't try to provoke her, Macy says. <laughs> Just like a lost dog would be, she is scared. She's outside. She's never been outside. She was captive, born, bred, and raised animal. Um, so eventually they found her snake, which, yay, that's great, um, and, and hurrah. But And boa constrictors. We're going to say yeah. they're not venomous. I'm not against people having pet snakes or pet spiders, right? Pet whatever. Have whatever you want. Keep it under lock and key. Yeah, that, absolutely. Be careful. Right. It only takes one time for it to get away, and then yep. bad things can happen to your animal, to you. Right? Great. Yeah. But, um, okay. So, uh, also in 2018 in Zaneville, Ohio, Terry Thompson made national headlines when he released a horde of wild animals that he and his <clears> wife had kept on their property, and then he killed himself. So, uh, leaving the task of trying to control the endangered Bengal tigers, monkeys, Holy lions, shit. wolves, baboons, and more to local authorities. The police ended up shooting nearly 50 of the animals in an effort wow. to stop them from terrorizing the town. Wow. And while this may be the most horrific um, story of exotic pet ownership, 
it's not the only one. Here comes the really, really famous one. Th that The thing about the guy releasing basically an entire zoo of endangered animals on a town doesn't mm -hmm. ring a bell with me at all. I, I don't no, remember that. I don't that. remember that either. No. This one I do, though. Carla Nash and the chimpanzee. Okay. Bring a, okay, well. Not yet. Not yet. In 2009, Sandra Harold called her friend Carla Nash for help getting Harold's 200-pound pet chimpanzee, Travis, back into his cage. Jesus. Hi, Carla. Can you come over and help me get Travis into his cage? Um, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Do you want me to help you get your 200-pound pet? No. No. Not no. in a million years. No. I don't even know who you are, lady. Click. Okay. <laughs> But Travis, the chimpanzee, turned on Carla, brutally attacking her and mauling her face and hands. Uh. Connecticut officials declined to prosecute Harold, although when Harold died of eruptic aortic aneurysm in 2010, Nash's family um, had a $50 million civil lawsuit in the works. So Carla might ring a bell because she was one of the first U.S. face transplants Oh, and okay. I think hand transplant too, but don't hold Yikes. me to that one. And I should have should have done a little bit more on that. But Carla's story is is just sad, and here is one that is sad and ridiculous. Kellyanne Walls and the Black Bear. This takes place in um, Australia. Naming a bear Teddy doesn't mean you've done away with its animal instincts which hmm. the Walls family of, oh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, not Australia. Oh, boy, Sorry, Australia, yeah. I'm blaming you for stuff. <laughs> um, uh, so the Walls family of Allentown, Pennsylvania, tragically found out when a 350-pound black bear they had raised since it was a cub attacked and killed 37-year-old Kellyanne Walls as she was cleaning its cage. So cages for wild animals come with that compartment where you Put the animal in a Put smaller, yeah, uh -huh. and they're sort of locked in a second smaller cage adjoined uh -huh. to the bigger cage, and then you go in and you clean the bigger cage. So Kelly didn't do that and Ugh. went in and the she had served the bear dog food, given it yeah. lunch or whatever, so it had eaten, and I'm sure that she felt like she knew her pet bear, her bear, right? Um, and unfortunately, it turned on her and attacked her. And uh, as she was being attacked, her children and the neighbor's children ran screaming for help. And a neighbor oh came God. by and shot and killed the bear. Yep. Oh, my God. Kellyanne also had a Bengal tire and a tiger, not a mm. tire, and an African lion. Damn. Yeah. Sad. Okay. Um, so that one was not meant to be sad and ridiculous. That is just sad. This one is even sadder. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> a toddler and a python. Oh, no. Jaron Hare and her boyfriend, Charles Dan Darnell, were sentenced to 12 years in prison after the pet python they kept strangled Hare's two-year-old daughter, Shania, in July of tw 2009. The couple told the police that the reptile, which they kept inside a laundry bag in a tank pinned closed by a quilt. What? Good Lord had escaped 10 times before. Oh, my God. Yes. They found it in the crib with the baby. Um, oh, my God. Horrific and terrible. Uh, no jokes there. Um, 
child and a mountain lion. Guess what's going to happen? The child and the mountain lion are friends forever. Yes, exactly. And they prove <laughs> that we should all have exotic animals. No, yes. the Animal Control Department of Odessa, Texas, had already cited, already cited, mm -hmm. Amber Michelle Couch for not keeping her 150-pound mountain lion current on his vaccines. That's what they're citing her for. That your cat's right. not current on That's vaccinations. Shots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the problem, right? And they pointed out that the cage the lion lived in was too small and the gaps in between the bars too wide uh, to really be safe. Oh, my God. But in October 2011, Couch's nephew got too close to the cage and the lion. Oh, um, no. The lion was later killed and the child was lacerated and uh, suffered puncture wounds to the face. Uh, but it doesn't seem like the child died, which I guess That's good. good news there. This one is really awful, but at the same time, we're going to judge you harshly based on your response to this next story. Okay. Okay. You are being judged. All right. Got it. The I'm eyes ready. of the podcast world, the ears of the podcast world are upon you. <laughs> Pam Weaver and her pet camel. Ew. Pam was given a pet camel by her husband on their 60th birthday. I assume they mean husband's 60th birthday as well. Um, so she turned 60 and her family decided to give her a camel. Now, having a Please camel... don't give me a camel for my birthday. Well, you have nowhere to keep it, so... I don't, right? No, you can't even keep a throw. Why would I give you something? That... <laughs> having a camel in Australia is not as strange as it may sound. There's where Australia came in. Um, <laughs> Many wild camels have lived on the continent of Australia since they were brought there in the 1800s as pack animals. In fact, there are well over 1 million feral single-humped camels roaming Damn. the wilds of Australia. I had no idea. Me either. It's an unusual invasive species. Yeah. They cause millions of damages to property each year and are a general nuisance. All right, Fucking cool. camels. So Pam's family wanted to give her a llama or an alpaca, but those were too expensive. The 10-month camel... camel is cheaper? I guess so, yeah. Wow. Uh, I guess in Australia, maybe they just caught one. They just picked it up off the street, yeah. Exactly. There's a million of them running around, so <laughs> oh, it's really going to miss one. Um, so they gave her um, they gave her the camel basically from as a baby from birth, right? Okay. And it was... a. Uh, it was 10 months old, and it weighed about 150 uh, kilograms, which I believe is 300-and-something pounds. Something uh, like that. Yeah. And uh, it had a history of erratic behavior. So, okay. Great. Um, so the Good. Erratic That's behavior done. included straddling a goat, one of her pet goats. And, okay. Yep. And so, oh, no. um, so nobody could have seen this coming. Uh, oh. The goat had erratic behavior, straddling other animals. It knocked Pam to the ground and apparently tried to have sex with her. He lay on top God. of her, straddling her until she ran out of oxygen and died due to the <gasps> unbearable pressure. Oh, my God. Pam had raised the camel almost from birth. Um, one expert stated that the young camel was attempting to engage in some type of mating behavior. No and then, shit. Yep. And then because it's Australia... Of course, the headlines wasted no time with their insensitive <laughs> puns, declaring that the woman had been humped to death. <laughs> You're evil. You're evil. 
<laughs> you are so bad. Uh, I feel terrible, but that was funny. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> I'm worse because I saved it to tell it to you. Um, and then these are so typical. You could slot in anybody's name here. Um, it, you're going to have to for this next story because it's an unnamed mm-hmm. man and his bull terrier. Um, when an oh. unnamed resident of from Liverpool did not show up for work for a couple of days, it was a cause for worry. Police went to check on him and on entering his house, found him dead. No, oh, that's sad. His dog, Buster, a bull terrier, was in a highly agitated state. At first, the police presumed that the dog was upset over his owner's death, but it later turned out that he'd been feasting away on the owner's corpse for a few days. Ugh. Yep. And then, lazy writing, number one, can you guess what happened to Janet Veal and her <laughs> feline friends? by a young cow. Oh, that would have been such poetic justice. <laughs> but no. Um, so... If dogs could feast on their owners, why not cats? When the neighbors hadn't seen much of Janet Veal, they informed the... I'm sorry, that name. (laughs) They informed the authorities. The police arrived at her house to find her dead body and, more disturbingly, her cats dining on her corpse. Uh. Now, dogs and cats aren't necessarily wild, exotic animals, but, but I share that one because it was funny. And then two... It just, it harkens back to the wild nature of an right. animal, right? Right. And so as lovely and as kind as dogs and cats are and and all of that, well, if you if you've been dead for days drive. and the animals can't get to the can opener, then what else are they going to do? There's meat right there. Just gonna I mean, eat you're it. right. That's <laughs> it's meat, and it's like no one's going to tell me to sit anymore. That's right. So that that is all I have. Um, out of this story, there were a lot of things that I thought I was going to explore. Like, what is TikTok? Uh, blah blah blah, and it was just like, that's like a whole other show. Yeah, yeah, it didn't. It felt like too far a reach. All right, so we can talk about the apology. Um, the apology by Mister I've forgotten his name already. Chris Gifford. Yes. Um, says, I was young and terrified. I still am young and terrified about the whole situation. And so what I learned is you make the calls, you keep yourself accountable, which I didn't do. Obviously, the community was nuts when this thing was spotted and before it was captured. I took plenty of heat for that and still do. I had people messaging me every day to go kill myself, that my parents should be in jail. It's about to be on that anniversary coming soon of when this happened. So I think it'd be good not only to tell my side of the story a little bit, but also give a huge apology. There were never any intentions of doing this. This was of no benefit to anybody. I regret it horrendously, and I wish that I could have changed that outcome. These are animals that I love. This is an animal community that I love. There's so many good, responsible, great keepers out there, and because of my stupid mistake, I I made that look bad for all of them. I damaged one thing that I love the most, honestly. This is just an apology because there are no excuses for what happened, just explanations for my stupidity. Well, right. And this is where we have to separate the apology from the action. The action. Uh, I, I will say remarkable self-awareness. Um, yeah, for, for a 21-year-old, it's pretty good. Yep. Um, although, you know, but then at the same time, a 21-year-old is not the same as a 12-year-old, right? Well, that's true. The that's numbers true. are reversed. And <laughs> when I was 21, I was paying rent. I had a car. I had responsibilities. Nobody was coming up to me and being like, oh, you're so young. You know, 
Yeah. They're responsible. Well, I guess nobody's letting him off the hook. No, nobody's letting him off the hook. And he did turn himself in. Eventually. If it, well, so when the uh, when the pet inspector was there. <laughs> the animal control. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, that is, that is actually factually <laughs> what they're called. So when the pet inspector was there and said, like, whose snake is this? I don't know. Right. Yeah. She left. And then he called her. So he called her right away. Yeah, he, 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 he called her yeah. right away. It didn't. He didn't wait it, six months. It, right. Exactly. Yeah. So. So that's good. So that is good. Um, and so what I like about it is the complete acceptance of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, the explanation of what went wrong, which, well, it's broad. I was young. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. Although he's not the one that decided how restitution would be made, which is you're not right. allowed to own any more animals. Um, right. It is something that he's uh, obeying, honoring, living yes. up to, right? Presumably. Um, as far as we know, right? He could have a whole... Snakes can be really tiny. He could have a whole yeah. shoebox. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, You know, I'm going to say I give this one an eight. Um it feels yeah. a little high, but there's such self-awareness and, and responsibility coming through. I give it a seven, but only because he didn't say anything about how he would prevent this kind of thing from happening in the future. So he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to take better care of my snakes. I'm going to make sure they're locked up. I'm not going to have any snakes or whatever it is that he's going to do in the future to prevent uh, his poisonous or venomous snakes from escaping. Right. And he also was able to extrapolate like the the worst case scenario from all of this, right? Which is that an innocent person would have been harmed due to his negligence. And those weren't two dots he had connected previously. Right. And so, um, lesson learned. good. Yeah. 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 7.5 total. 7.5. Accepted. Apology accepted. Apology accepted. Don't send us any snakes. Please. Yes. Send us minus negative snakes. Take away the snakes that may be in my house. Um, so do you have an apology expected or a who's sorry now? Look behind you. There's a snake. <laughs> That's me trying to distract I you. I have an apology expected Yay. if you want to hear mine. I would love to hear yours. All right. So uh, American Airlines passenger Sam Tossig said the carrier changed his family's flights back to the U.S. to depart from a different country in the Caribbean or Caribbean, depending on how you like to pronounce it. I noticed we were flying out of a different country, he said. We were flying out of St. Lucia instead of St. Vincent. And I thought that was really strange. It must have been a mistake. The customer service agent said, yes, I'm sorry, sir. You're in an overbooked situation and we have moved your flight from St. Vincent to St. Lucia, which is about 100 miles away as the crow flies and five islands north. And I said, well, that's insane. We have to change this back. This is not acceptable. He added, then they were going to charge us exorbitant change fees and reticketing fees and split reservation fees, totaling almost $30,000 to bring us home a week later. He said he eventually rebooked a return flight from Barbados and hired a private plane to get his family there from St. Vincent. He said, this is my favorite part, he said he had filed a 19-page complaint with the airline. He had told 
uh-huh. 19 pages. Yeah. He had told Insider that American Airlines offered him $2,000 on Thursday night to get back from Barbados. He said, I'm glad AA made us whole eventually. I'm upset this happened in the first place, but I hope my letter spurs a conversation at AA, <laughs> I bet it will, about unreasonable schedule changes, difficult to read, if not deceptive, customer notifications for those critical schedule changes, and highlights how their customer service agents ought to be able to better solve problems with customers in real time. Okay. Gotcha, um, Sam. I'm sure. I'm your sure letter that... is going to change the airline industry. Thank you so much for your heroic work. Your letter is going to be passed around and mocked like you wouldn't believe. But I'm sure you made good points in it. And hopefully, maybe somebody will pay attention to what you say. What they'll pay attention to is the news article that yes. got released. And then how news much news like articles. traction does this pick up in social media, right? So hopefully, they will apologize, if nothing else. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, they <laughs> don't, don't sound care. Too confident that they will. <laughs> oh, please. Are you kidding? If, if it gets on enough news venues, then they probably will, like you said. I, I The airline industry, I just... How can they you don't care. own the only mode of transportation and mm-hmm. not make money off of that mode of transportation? I know. I, I've I never know. understood the airline industry. It's so stupid. And... It's dumb, and I hate it. Uh, <laughs> How come you never worked for the airlines? I would have thought you would have. I never... Because you like to travel and stuff. I like to travel now, but when I was younger, I, I didn't... It's not that I didn't like to travel. It's just it cost money. Um, and I didn't want to travel so much that that I was willing to like live in on an airplane, because that's essentially right. what you do when you're... Sure. You know, I would only been an airline steward. I could have worked at the airport, I suppose, Sure. Um, no, it just, it just wasn't my thing. I was very okay. much more about having a home and uh, having I a see. stable, secure place. Right. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So, so that was what was my primary driver and, and traveling. It just was like, well, that's something rich people get to do, but I live in LA uh, and so I don't need to travel because people travel here and it was fine. People yeah. come here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect. Okay. Gotcha. So, makes great for me. Sense. America's hero. Yes. So do you have an apology expected or a who's sorry now? I do. I have a who's sorry now. This was going to go out to my niece. And I'm very sorry, Neve, that when you were nine years old, maybe 10 years old, and I got you a hamster for Christmas, including the cage and the wheel and all the food and all the natural wood chips and all of that, and that you took care of that hamster and named it Nico. And then Aww. it died three months later. Aww. And then you put up an Instagram story about how sad it is when you lose your best friend. Aww. I am sorry that I laughed at you and called you a baby. To her face? It was on FaceTime. Oh, no, <laughs> I, I did not quite. I did not quite. I laughed, um, at the video, right? Uh-huh. Um, a lot. And I uh-huh. showed it to people and I was like, look! Oh, it was a cute so video, mean. too. It was I really bet it sweet. Was. I yeah. bet she's the cutest little kid and it was so sad and heartrending. And you showed it to people laughing and everybody was like, you are a heartless monster. Pretty much. That's exactly how it <laughs> happened, yeah. And then um, we were on Zoom. Not Zoom. Sorry. FaceTime. Oops. Yeah. And uh, whatever we were talking and I was just like, you know, I'm really sorry about Nico. And then I went, <laughs> and I can't help it. I'm a monster, but self-admitted. 
<laughs> Which makes it okay. <laughs> it's perfectly fine now. I've taken ownership so of it. I'm sorry too, Neve. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad now too. <laughs> uh, I made two horrible jokes this episode. I'm one behind. <laughs> All right. I think that's, that's it. it. Yeah. I think you're out of time for horrible jokes. So I, maybe next next week we'll have four. Um Thank you everybody for listening, for joining us this week. Um we love you. See you later. We love your applause more and we will we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye. listening to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at apologiesaccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.